You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Thanks, Mr. Uh, now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a Listen, shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I do. This is killing me because I know I know that song. Really? Yeah, I've definitely heard that before. It's a yeah. Swedish band. Yes. Um, all but the lead singer are Swedish. Okay. Lead singer, I'd never heard of him. I'm surprised that you. Yes. I shouldn't be surprised, but because um, you know everything about music. Um, <laughs> or does he know? Or does he know? Sebastian Murphy. Sebastian Murphy. Okay, I wouldn't have got that name right, but I definitely okay. know that song. Yeah, uh, Viagra Boys. Viagra Boys. Yes. Okay, that I do know. Uh, really? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I figured uh, I was going to talk about sports today. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> thematic. It's probably the only thematic song I've ever done for the intro. Not bad. Yeah. So we did, uh, we've had an ongoing segment about uh, hot bumper sticker talk. Oh, yeah. Lately. And um, this is a bit of a side street from that, but... Remember, this was maybe two, three months ago. We had talked about, we came across that psychological study that was stated that somewhere, you know, how you quantify this, who knows, but somewhere between 25 and 40% of people experience no inner dialogue. Mm -hmm. Or, okay, so here's also what I was thinking about. Would it, yes. wouldn't it be inner monologue? No. Okay. And that's because I, people do I, experience I agree. the I inner agree. monologue. Okay. Because that thing that you were talking about, it, what threw me at first, because I remember being like a little bit um, confused by it, because I thought you meant that every, most people are like Zen monks mm -hmm. that don't have thoughts in their heads, but they all have a monologue. They so, don't. So do very dumb people, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because everyone has a monologue. They just don't have a dialogue. Meaning Is this one they, of those things where, arguing. Where, where the very ends of the spectrum are eerily similar? Yes. Yeah, so it's like you play that game, rich man, poor man. Like, right. how are they similar? Like, right. Uh, let me think about it. Okay, a really rich guy and a really poor guy yeah. has little to no keys in his pocket. Yeah, neither one actually drives. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Because I was thinking about, is, 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 I was like, did that study say monologue or dialogue? I mean, technically, kind of, it's a monologue because it exists in your head and there's no other person. But the thoughts that I have in my head are a dialogue because it's always... And very disturbing. And hey, extremely. You, you should hear the things that don't make it onto this podcast. <laughs> but it's always a hypothetical conversation that I have with myself. Like, well, what's the other side of that? Like, what's the argument against that? And, and back and forth, back and forth. And, right. and this is why. Well, yeah, and you could be a, you could have a dialogue going on in your head and very easily be that insane person standing on the corner. As long as it's you, coming out loud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, I said, both yes. ends of the spectrum. It's a fine line. It's a fine line. Or a, a brilliant genius like you and I. Right. So they, uh, um, Ever since I saw that study, because when I saw it, I was astounded. I was, as a, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, that's insane. I thought everyone was just holding these conversations. You know, if you leave someone to their own devices alone, no media, no music, anything, you know what I mean? You're like hiking, working, whatever it is, it's whose brain is not, just doesn't start worrying. You know what I mean? Like, or you're waking up in the middle of the night, just like thinking of things. And then I saw that study and it seems to be legit. As far as I can tell, I mean, I've seen several article, articles on it. And then it 
like shattered my perception of the people around me. Yeah. Because now I'm like or talking explained, to people. Explained and, a lot. Yeah. Right? right. Exactly. And I should I should definitely qualify as this as saying I don't mean this, you know, like in a mean spirited way, like it means you're dumb or whatever. Like as some people, like you said, like some people might just be so at peace with themselves. Like I, know. I just, I'm fine with the way that with the world is. And I, one would even argue that they uh, have a more blissful experience going through life, just not thinking about anything. A couple of people that I'm thinking of who definitely fall into this category right. are some of the nicest most at exactly peace, never I have set people I came, that I, I came upon the same realization. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think that guy has any internal monologue or dialogue. Yeah, and I was like, but man, just happy, the the nicest person to be around. It just, ah, I don't worry about stuff. You know, want to talk about the Warriors? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that's what will happen. Maybe there's a direct correlation with the. So a monologue is there's nobody else in your head that you're talking to. Right. Dialogue means that you're playing the role, kind of bouncing ideas back exactly. and forth. Yeah, having conversations. And there's a head. direct correlation to the number of people that you're arguing with in your head and your level of unhappiness. Yes. As you increase that number, one would argue less and less happy. Uh, Ted Kaczynski, not a happy guy. <laughs> right. Obviously, in a very intense internal dialogue going on in his head. Trialogue. Trialogue, Probably. yeah, Qu multi-log. When they, when you have to use the term internal demons, plural, <laughs> yes. like yes, it's not just one demon that you're arguing with. There are multiple demons in there. So since I've seen that study, it must have been uh, what two, three months ago. It's it's become my daily filter for because I love people watching. I love like deciphering psychology and body language, and even down to like little minutia of like. Um, walking up because now that we have these stupid parking meters where there's only one parking meter, you got to type in your license plate. And so there'll be like three in the parking lot and I'll see one guy going towards one and one person going towards another. And I can just tell by their body language, like they're going to take forever. I can just tell, or at the ATM, you know, you're, they're yep. going to put a check in the bank. I'm like, go to the other one. You can just tell that this is totally going to be a shit tell. show for this person. Although ironically, I can never tell which line is going to be fastest at the grocery store. I avoid grocery stores completely almost. That does make the line shorter. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Not only for you, but for the rest of us, because you would be in front of me if you actually went to the grocery store. You know store. what? It's funny you should say that. The You're, you're equipped there about the grocery store line, and I'm saying just don't go to the grocery store. I, I was listening to a podcast about self-sufficiency, mm -hmm. and they were extrapolating metaphors from there saying, um, with whatever you can do, and I'm a huge believer in this philosophy, with everything, you, you know, I don't have the resources or the means to completely go off the grid, right? Which is something I would love to do if I could do that. Mm -hmm. But always take steps towards that uh, in little ways. You know, Ironic I mean? that it takes resources to yeah. go off the grid. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes, exactly. Homesteading is a lot of work. Dude, that's another out. one of those dichotomies. Yes. Like a homeless person is off the grid. Yeah. And so is someone that can actually afford Absolutely. what it takes. Absolutely. We're just doing some, <laughs> doing some math here today. <laughs> and uh, a thought occurred to me is that, um, you know, 20 years ago, maybe, I decided, like, eliminate as many middlemen in your life as possible. I mean, probably before that, just, just becoming a spiteful punk rocker at the age of 11 or whatever. Just, I'm not going to trust anyone and I'm going to trust my friends and we're going to do everything, you know, the whole DIY ethic. We're going to have our own record label or put out our own recordings, book our own tours. Like we're not going to rely on these bigger systems in any way that you can. And then you get sucked in and then you pull yourself back out. But as it pertains to the issue in this podcast, which was homesteading is, you know what, start out by making a garden. Like, you know, even if your wife, this is not hypothetical, is not a complete wingnut like you are, like the benefits is like, why don't we have our own vegetables? Like, uh, it's more cost efficient. Mm -hmm. We know exactly what we're feeding our family. You know, we're not worried mm -hmm. about like weird GMOs and now RNA technology yeah. <laughs> in our vegetables. And uh, a phrase like popped into my head and I'm not sure why, but these people are saying they're doing it to buck the system, right? Like, we're trying to get rid of the system. And he goes, you know what? There's ways you can do this, and this might dovetail into an event, like maybe like a January 6th, for example, which was entirely unproductive and was way destructive towards the movement that tried to spring that thing off. He's like, 
you you can you can possibly derail the train by throwing yourself on the tracks and upset its schedule for the day, but it's going to keep moving. Figure out how to get off the tracks entirely. That's what you want to do. I was thinking of that while I was listening to this podcast. I was like, yeah, that's kind of a with everything you do. So trying to grow my own vegetables. We got chickens coming. We haven't had chickens for the first time in my life in quite some time mm-hmm. since we bought this new house. But even little stuff like um, doing work trades, for example, which is something that you and I have always talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep your circle as tight as possible. And if you don't have the means to I don't know, have your own cattle, for example, always buy local. Go to your, you know, go to your, get, source your food locally. Go to your farmer's market, for mm-hmm. example. So I don't know how we got onto this topic. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> I don't, it, I don't care. It's a good topic. Yes. Uh, so I think I might, sub, now that my TV just sits on the wall, big dark box. Yeah, big empty box. no Tucker to watch anymore. Um, I'm thinking I might subscribe to the uh, the Blaze, mm-hmm. Glenn Beck's show or uh, network. Right. And I, the, what's gotten me to want to actually pull the trigger, it's not very expensive, five bucks a month. Not bad. And he is doing a thing tonight about what we, he's fed up with, you know, innocent people going to jail, mm-hmm. guilty people running free. By yeah. Guilty people I'm a, talking about. It's an like interesting Hillary model. Clinton level. <laughs> yes. Guilty people. Um, and tonight he was going to actually say like, this is what we need to do. And he's building it up all week, you know, like, like a just brilliant, like a talented radio guy does. Yeah. Um, unlike us who can never remember to <laughs> promote our own show, right. Glenn Beck is an expert at that and I'm, I'm on board. I'm like, okay, I'm going to hear it. I'm going to subscribe to the, the, the blaze and, and watch it tonight. But I don't think he's going to say anything about homesteading or going off the grid. Or, yeah. I think it's going to be more about like turning the ship around. Um, and I think that oh, so you within, said within the context of politics or the culture as a whole, or what's he? Is there anything specific he's referring to, or is this kind of a larger paradigm he's addressing? I believe it's a larger paradigm, but he was what brought it up was he was talking about that guy, um, uh, Douglas. Uh, Mc, no, that's the general Mackey, maybe, who is getting. A, uh, 10 years in prison for making that meme telling Democrats to oh, vote the by election on Twitter or whatever. or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then the actual, you know, legitimate election interference that happened that, with, that was just exposed in the Durham right. uh, files is going totally unpunished, of course. So, uh, and so he was saying, I'm sick of this and we have to do something about it. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to tell you at eight o'clock tonight on the, on the show. Where so not that I want to do a deep dive on the Durham report because you know that fatigue that I explained, <laughs> that I experienced when it's just like everything all the time. Yeah, I, I did think of a few interesting things. Is I was talking to my buddy at work today, and we were we ended up. Uh, How dare you? <laughs> shit, wrong button. <laughs> you meant this one. I am so sick. No. Nope. <laughs> yes, I did actually. No, where is it? Where is to listen to the details of the Durham report, which I actually heard, and I kind of marginally care about this stuff because, and I'm even, there's an increasing disinterest that I experience, uh, especially when it's just like everything all the time. It's like every uh, podcast, you know, that I was checking out was hitting on it. And you can only be fooled so many times. Right. And like, oh, this is it. This is a big one. Yeah. And because we experienced the other side of the coin, you know, uh, what we have two years of Adam Schiff and Rachel Maddow started out every show like, okay, this is it. And nothing, nothing came true. Like the the report says, like none of this was true at all. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I've, my, my, I was already thinking that a year and a half ago. And the same, and I'd have no feelings about Trump, for example. And then you get like the, uh, you get those wingnut messages from people on Instagram, right? Saying, 
the shit is going down. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jake always responds calmly with, nothing ever happens. Nothing ever happens. That's true. We need a shirt that says, nothing ever happens, yes. Jake. Uh, I did. So, right. As I was doing my woke surfing, um, I was like, huh, this is, this is, uh, turns out the Adam Schiff's and the Rachel Maddow's and the Anderson Cooper's and, you know, all these people that went wall to wall with this for almost two years mm-hmm. and spent tens of millions of dollars on this. Yeah, I think they must, more they that. must be going off on this Durham. Yeah, chase, huh? nothing. Wall to wall, wall to wall, the car chase involving Harry and Meghan Markle. <laughs> That's all they're talking about. And I'm like, come on, NPR, don't let me down. Uh, they were, you know, I, I forget. Apparently they do their pledge drive every other week and it just happens to be this week. They were doing it like... Eight days ago. Yes. On my way over here. How long does it fucking last? And it was not going well, by the way. No. It was like the, the hosts were like, whew, like, we're not going to hit quite what we did last year. But, you know, if you guys pick up the phone, you know, we might turn this thing around. I do enjoy telling people. Um, I do support NPR. Really? Yeah, through my taxes. You know, my, my taxes. <laughs> totally. And then you, here, here's the internal dialogue. Like, uh, that's only like 2%. Okay. Directly from your taxes, but then also are subsidized from all these various media foundations, which are also taxpayer subsidized. Mm-hmm. So if you go not six, two steps away from your witty little talking point there, you're wrong. Well done, sir. Yep. These are just things, you know, yeah. rattling around, <laughs> rattling around. Uh, all right. So in an attempt to be more like Glenn Beck, um, and NPR, we're going to do a pledge drive right now. <laughs> so call in and get yourself a tote bag. If you if you order strong. now, we will do a match for match challenge, and you will get your tote bag that says, I support the current thing. I support <laughs> the current thing. Let everyone know that you support the current thing. This could be Ukraine. This could be the boosters. This could be killer clowns on the edge of the forest. I support the current thing. Well, most it's, likely, it'll, by the time it arrives, it'll be something completely different. It's all in. This is the genius. This, this is genius of this tote bag. It's yep. it's timeless. It's timeless. <laughs> Every week, it's still relevant. Order now. So, if you want to support the show, please go to Patreon. Matt and I do spend a lot of money on this show, and uh, you know we. We actually have jobs, and our jobs pay for this show. They pay for our meetings where we discuss other great business ideas that I mm-hmm. come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, like the uh, It Doesn't Stay in the Muscle Milk <laughs> ad campaign. <laughs> that was your contribution, yes. sir. That was a good one. Um, uh, speaking of that, though, there if you also want to go to our website and buy a shirt, that's another great way to support the show, or a fanny pack. That says ammunition on it. Um, and I don't know if I told you this, but we are now trademarked. So, Oh, nice. Our logo. We can put a little TM next to it. Very nice. And people will admire us for that. That's the idea. And I bring that up because I went through the trademark process mm-hmm. recently. And then I paid the money for the application. And then I got this call from the U.S. Patent and Trademark agency, I guess. Okay. Um, office. And it said that on my phone and I like immediately declined the call because I figured it was spam. Right. But then I remembered that I just applied for this trademark. So they called back and luckily yeah. I answered it <clears throat> and they started walking me through like all the steps, blah, blah, blah. And then I had to give them like my credit card number for the payment. And I, I got done and I hung up the phone and I was like, Oh fuck! That's <laughs> just insane. <laughs> I was I was looking at my computer and I, and I gave my credit card look up. I'm like really? <laughs> as soon as I hung up, I was like motherfuckers. So I put the uh, number into Google, and it came up as the U.S. Patent yeah. and Trademark Office, right? Um, and this is a screenshot of what came up, and I had to take a screenshot because I thought it was fucking hilarious that. They have reviews that you can give, and they have <laughs> all their, their average is one star. <laughs> <laughs> this government, why would they let you 
rate the government agencies. <laughs> me and me and my uh, me and my buddy were had a kind of running thing. This was going on what two years ago, I think. But started out as finding Yelp page for the most Yelp pages for the most ridiculous things ever. Like why would they have a Yelp page? Uh, Alameda County Jail. <laughs> really? <laughs> we were sending our reviews oh, nice. back. Like, Dude, seriously, fuck this place. This food sucks. One star. <laughs> oh, uh, and then, and everyone should do this. I don't know if it's still on on the uh, up in there in the cloud, but the Wuhan Institute for Vi- Virology had a Yelp page. Oh, you told me about and that. And it just like went down and down and down. Like you guys were complicit in the murder of five million people. Shame on you. One star. <laughs> one star. <laughs> That's great. The uh, Santa Rosa DMV. Oh, how are they doing? Guess. I'm going to go two and a half stars. 3.7. Jeez. There's some sick motherfuckers. insane. What is wrong with you people? I I will say this. I have, maybe I end up in the Santa Rosa DMV once every three years. I found the people that to work there to mostly mostly be pleasurable and um, trying to do their job. It's the other people waiting that it's 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 a it's a hellhole. I told you that when I went and the, in the and the and the, the the body odor in that place. I don't know what it is about people that enter the DMV that don't bathe on a regular basis, but there seems to be a, you know that three circle diagram Venn diagram. <laughs> Some weird overlap. Well, you think about it like. Everybody does everything within their power not to go to the DMV. Right. And if you have, like, any, if you have the internet, yeah, you're less likely to go to the DMV yeah. than if you don't. So it really is just, like, the bottom of the barrel that people that show up there here's, at, at large. Dude, here's the craziest, craziest experience I've ever had at the DMV. This is when I lived in San Francisco. And I go to San Francisco DMV with, oh, man. I don't yeah. know why they're not doing a reality show out of that place. Yeah, that place is crazy. But uh, do you remember, uh, I can't remember the year of this. This would be very early 2000s. But we had an anthrax scare. And they were talking about bioweapons. Mm-hmm. And someone, Somebody sent it to Tom Brokaw. Yeah, they sent uh, anthrax to um, different congressional members mm. and it was there's uh i don't know it was the latest it, it was it was the thing that yeah. week and i happened to be in the line at the dmv in san francisco that just winds around forever so you're there for for a long time and um <clears throat> randomly this guy in line just drops face first into the floor damn and as soon as he hits the floor just blood just squirts out i mean yeah. he just like like face planted and then the girl at the time, I didn't know this, who was had a was squeamish to the side of blood. She passed out straight face first into the ground. And then everyone like would jump on the ground. I was like, I remember thinking like, oh, shit. <laughs> this is like, is this the thing I've been hearing about? It wasn't. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> How deadly is anthrax? Is uh, it really that bad? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> um, I... Last time I was in the Santa Rosa DMV, I was during the masking, mm-hmm. and they, I had to go in there. There's just some things that you can't do. I think I had to get a real ID or something so that I could more easily buy ammo. And I refused to wear a mask everywhere I went. Mm-hmm. And a lot of businesses will argue with you, and but you have to kind of just get tough and say, well, I... Uh, Call my attorney if you like, or right. things like that, and it's it's not fun. But a government agency kind of knows the rules really well. Yeah. So I went in there and I said, "Well, I have a medical uh, disability and I uh, need I can't wear a mask." And the people that work there, like you were saying, they're all very nice. <clears throat> they just said, "Well, okay, so uh, it's okay. We can do that. Well, we have to do those. We have to evacuate everybody that's in here waiting. Oh wow! Right now, and all the people that work here, except for the one person that you're going to be dealing with." They have to go outside while you do your thing at the at the kiosk, and uh, but we're totally happy to accommodate you, sir. And I was just like, oh, well, oh, played, well played. Right. <laughs> you got me. Oh man! <laughs> if you had to take three beers, and you're like, sounds good. Sounds good. I, <laughs> sounds good. Kind of looking forward to having this place to myself. To be honest with you, <laughs> always been a dream of mine. <laughs> uh, that I've been thinking about the appeal to authority. And uh, are you familiar familiar with the Milgram experiment at all? 
most people are. This is the one um, conducted by a scientist out of Yale named Stanley Milgram. And this was done in, uh, I think, 1961. And this was right on the heels of, uh, what was the name, Adolf Eichmann, uh, Nazi war criminal. His trial had begun. And so this psychologist, Stanley Milgram out of Yale, decided they were trying to solve the, well, they were just doing their job kind of quandary, right? Of like, is that a legitimate excuse? Uh-huh. Like, do people, and because I thought about that within the context of, of today and like the COVID stuff, mm-hmm. for example, when people go, you know, the fall of science. Very think, common defense, by the way. Right. Yeah. And I today. Think, yeah, absolutely. I think fall of the science is definitely in the same category as that. And they had talked about, yeah. they, they had brought, you know, the basics of the study. It's they took no, uh, I didn't know they something like 45 people. It's one of those like paid studies. We'll give you 10 bucks. You come in here and watch like the MK ultra programs. Like, Hey, we're going to blast you with LSD and give you 10 bucks. And you know, some random college student says, like, yep, sounds good. And so they got people, and what he did, they had rigged up this room with a, one of those, uh, what was it, a one-way Oh, uh, I know, window. yeah, where they yeah. would shock people. Right, and then, yeah, so and the people taking part in the study had access to dials, which were, they were told it was the amount of voltage that they were giving this patient on the other side of, the, of this mirror or this window, and they were like, that person can't see you. And, you know, you go up to so many volts. I think 450 was considered lethal at that time. And they had it crept up. And the whole, you know, the dial was attached to nothing. And mm-hmm. the person on the other side was an actor. Had, yeah, had privy to the information of, like, what the dial was at. And, and they acted out, like, what they would assume to be. And then the dial was just, like, a, a rod that went through the wall with a pointer on it. So <laughs> yes, he, he could just right. see how they were turning. Yeah. <laughs> And so very simple and uh, <laughs> budget experiment. and they wanted to try to dig a little deeper into like what makes people just follow orders or like it's coming from authority. So just do yeah. it, even though, you know, it's terrible and it's somewhere between 65 and 68 percent of the people had no problem or they had problems with it. Like, are you sure? Like, I don't feel good about this. And they go like, just continue the study, just mm-hmm. continue the study. They stop for, I just like, can't do this. Like, no, this is for science. You know, we're trying to solve this thing. And, you know, 450s lethal, like put it up to 450, see what happens. Yeah, they were, they were more afraid of disappointing the person in the lab coat. The authority. Than they were or, electrocuting someone in the other room. Or going, going against authority. You had someone in authority mm-hmm. saying like, kill this person. You're like, mm-hmm. well, they must know what they're doing. They're in authority. I had a boss one time tell me that he thought that most people who cheated on their spouses did so because they were afraid of disappointing the person with whom they were cheating. And I thought he was crazy but when he told me that, but as my life has gone on, I can see how it's kind of that similar uh-huh. thing where you're in this situation with this person right in front of you. Right. You're more afraid of disappointing them than you are of cheating on your, your spouse. Yeah. I think he was right. Could be a similar psychology. What stood out to me, though, is that number is that somewhere between 65 and 68% of the people had no problem turning the dial up to 450 volts. and Zero problem, you mean? Yeah. Or, or they had some problem, some pushback, but ultimately they did it. Yeah. Right? What percent were just like, sure, woo, like, <laughs> <laughs> take that, fucker. Can I do this more than once? <laughs> you can keep the money. <laughs> uh, is that number... I'm like, that's roughly the same amount of people, I mean, as far as we know, that took the shot for COVID. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that roughly yeah. the same. I'd be shocked if it wasn't. Yeah. Right? It seems like the exact same. It was the same mentality. Mentality, when exactly. You think about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would be shocked if it wasn't exactly the same. Yeah. You know what is encouraging about that study, though, is that there were people who resisted. There was. And just said no. And they were in a minority. Yeah, so big time. So in this study, he was saying... And there's somewhere a gap, but Stan Milgram in his conclusion said, I think only about 20% of people have the ability to truly like think for themselves and to push back against authority and say like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do it. So there's a gap between 65, 68% and 20%, you know, whatever it is. And I don't know, I didn't look too far into the numbers, but Those are the, the more I thought about that is... That rings true to me when I think about everyone that I know. And that was 
played out in spades during the COVID pandemic. Cause even the people I thought like, we're all free thinkers, right? We're all, we all grew up like, you know, fuck authority and all this. And there's like, nope, no, no, not all that's out the window. All that's out the window. This is different. It kind of, that kind of, I don't know. I thought it was, it was interesting. Well, we've talked about it before, how it's just built into our DNA to be part of a a group because as being on our own is not an option. Yeah. You're vulnerable. You're so vulnerable when you're by yourself. I had a long talk. We had, uh, my in-laws had some, uh, guests in town and the, the guy, it was a couple, the guy was one of the more interesting people I've ever met in my life, but we had a long talk about stuff like that. And we ended up talking about Sebastian Junger's tribe, which mm-hmm. basically explains what, you know, you were just, you're yeah. just talking about right there. Yeah. And he, his eyes lit up. He's like, Oh, do you have that book? I was like, I do actually. Like, let me go back and see if I can find it for you. And he was, he, this guy right was, there. this guy was, yeah, obviously I didn't give it to him. <laughs> um, he was, I think, 82 years old. Oh, wow. He's like a world famous cannabis lawyer and just huh. total counterculture from, you know, from when he was a kid all the way up to now, like held true. I was just like, I met him. I was like, I love this guy. I really like, and him and I were always off in the corner, like talking about our own stuff. Nice. Yeah, it was really interesting. On that note, do you have that uh, screenshot that you sent us of the guy saying that he got COVID like 23 times? Yeah, let me see if I can dig it up here. And he was like so grateful that he was vaccinated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is an article from The Guardian. I've caught COVID for the 23rd time despite having dozens of boosters. I've lost count in parentheses. Thank heavens for the vaccine. This is a guy named George Mombiot. (laughs) How does someone write that sentence down and not just I love it. Oh, wait a second. Dude, I'm being completely... Yeah, by the time he gets to the end, he's like, Huh, I just had a realization. <laughs> 23 times he's had COVID. He's had more boosters than he can count. Right. Thank God for the vaccine. It's it's uh it's it's a it's weird It's almost like that sentence didn't belong with the previous two sentences. Like I, he accidentally cut and pasted something from another article. The way that I always kind of uh, there's this umbrella in my head, not uh, metaphorically, and that when I see headlines like that, especially as it pertains to COVID and the boosters, I was like, this is the weirdest. It's like um, like a severely abused wife in a relationship that keeps going back. Like, no, he, say, yeah. he says he loves me. It's like, things are going to be different. Things are going to be different. Yeah. I was like, and you're on the outside going like, I, I just, I can't help. I can't help this person. There's nothing I can do to help this person. Or Stockholm syndrome. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so I thought about the... Um, to go back to the people that don't experience any inner dialogue slash monologue and to bring it all the way back to our bumper sticker discussion mm-hmm. and then to just put a nice bow on our discussion here is I was behind, I, I just happened to be thinking about that. I got, um, I was in, I was driving to work and I was behind a line of cars and I was thinking about that. I was like, I'm just taking stock of people I know that like, I don't think they just process things critically and they don't mull them over in their head and ruminate and, and have that, you know, create this internal monologue and kind of maybe mutter and walk around cleaning the kitchen (laughs) as I do. And then I looked up and it was like one of those generic cars, like a Honda CRV or whatever. And I look and there's this lady like hands at 10 and two, just kind of like staring just above the cars at nothing. And then I just happened to look down at her license plate frame. And it said, um, just just hand me the chocolate and no one will get hurt. I just started laughing them all. Yeah, it's you're you're one of those people. <laughs> like you took the time to put that license plate frame on your car and you just kind of placidly staring at the sky like everything's fine. I just, you know, what's what's to worry about? Gotta envy her. Yeah, I did. I was like, she, she seems happy. Um <clears throat> Would you say that uh, the COVID pandemic, air quotes, um, the the vaccine push and all that is over? We've we've moved on as a society from that. That is really interesting because I was reading an article this morning, at three a.m. Um, that kind of talked about that. Mm. And this article is from the Brownstone Institute. Mm. It says, after COVID, 12 challenges for a shattered world. 
and they're talking about the le- they take each one into a lesson and then also talk about what we need to do moving forward. And it really makes you think. And your question that you just asked me is incredibly difficult. It's very complex to, to wrap your head around that because you're asking me, is it over? Right. Mm-hmm. So now we have to kind of zoom out for a little bit because you're like, well, here's how I think about that is everything that was done, all the mandates and the, the, the pushing of the vax and the restrictions and the lockdowns. Is, so first you got to you have to kind of ask yourself in your head self <laughs> self. Uh, was that actually done for COVID or was that actually done for something else? So if your answer to that is it was just, it wasn't done for COVID, which I don't believe it was. It was hijacked. It was used as the, as the reason. And they reinforced, they didn't create, the, the template has been steadily building, I mean, for 100 years, I would argue, is they simply upped their game. And it's going to be something else. We talk about like it's going to be the climate lockdown next, mm-hmm. or it's going to be because of domestic extremism, or there's aliens above Canada right now. Well, I, I'm actually here to tell you, Matt, it is not over. Okay. And I think Gavin Newsom may have uh, just been watching like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross recently oh, yeah. or something, oh, really? and wanting to get uh, sales vaccine salesman of the year because I know you don't watch TV, mm-hmm. but these commercials have been on TV oh seriously all the time check this bullshit out you have to be kidding me it's fat people dancing yeah why is everyone in this video fat because it's okay to be fat, and that's not the reason that you die from COVID. It's Man, that chick is a whale. So why this is so that's from done the California that's done intentionally. Yeah, this is from the California Department of Health, ironically, uh-huh. uh, telling you that you should still get vaccinated for COVID. So it's funny. You would you think serious? they would get over this shit, but it is not over, and it's it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. At least stuff like this. I don't think they're going to lock anyone down for COVID anymore or mandate vaccines anymore. Yeah. But they're not done selling us on the vaccine. Hence that article that that dude wrote saying right. he's got it for the 23rd time. Right. Basically signaling to us it's not going away. So so what do you, what do you think? Let me ask you something. Is when you see that commercial, because here we are, 2023. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You probably know what month it is. <laughs> I don't. It's May. You texted me a date about something. I was like, I don't even know what month it is right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> is if I didn't feel so weird about texting another man's wife, I would just just <laughs> skip you and go straight to her for your appointments. But I would strongly urge you to do that. If you need to communicate <laughs> with me. It's weird. Is do you think what's the level, in your opinion, of intentionality of that commercial coming out now when? The, the the jig is kind of up on the vaccine. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of people that took it and regret it right now, it just is growing and growing and growing. So do you think this is intentional for some nefarious reason, or do you think it's just classic, just drag foot, drag ass government bureaucracy? Like, it, hey, we finally got this commercial together for you, and it's just completely antiquated and irrelevant at this point. Well, that's part of it. Um, I think there is some... Uh, pressure from the vaccine companies to sell mm-hmm. the from the pharmaceutical companies to oh, sell more okay. vaccines. Okay. Okay. No, just I'm, I'm just, serious. Just, just think about it. Pfizer like, made twenty four billion dollars in profit <laughs> in twenty twenty. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, they slow did. down I mean, there. Look it up. Okay, well we can look into the Bilderberg group next. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's obvious that they're just not done selling us this thing. Right. Right. And why not? Why not? If that's your business yeah. and you're in bed with the government, why not just keep, or if you're the government in bed with the corporation, why not just keep selling this shit? I would, I would agree with you. And then that article from the Brownstone Institute, which I don't want to go through today. I think I might do it another, another time, but that was kind of the through line of the article is that they're saying like, it's going to happen again. Like we 
we need to learn from this and not, not we, all of us, like let's declare a pandemic amnesty or none, none of that nonsense. He's, con he's consolidated too. Like for those of you that resisted this, we need to galvanize like, and we need to plan for the next move because this is happening again. It could be for the climate, you know, it could be for some mass casualty, you know, domestic event, which would not be surprised if it happens mm -hmm. sometime soon. Like we need to read these signs. We need to learn the lessons and we need to be prepared all that we need to keep up the resistance because this is all going to happen again. Uh, do you listen to Pete Quinones? Yes. A lot. Um, a little here and there. Um, even though I can't remember to promote our own show, I'm going to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're both very good <laughs> tell, at that. Tell people that you should listen to, to him a lot. I, I think that he thinks about liberty and about these things that we're talking about in yes. a way that's very unique. Yeah. I'm very much very aligned good. with what he says and, and what he thinks. For sure. But I don't, and I don't understand it all the time, um, but he has guests on who think a little bit outside the box. And yeah. He does too. And he pays the price for it, I think. But I highly recommend his he's, show. He's, he became one of my favorite guys. I have a handful of like favorite kind of free thinkers. And he was always on the periphery, and then he slowly worked his way into my inside circle when I realized, like, man, he just says what he does not, he doesn't care. No. He, like, he's like, I don't belong to any group. I'm not going to, you know, he pisses off the left, the right, libertarians, anarchists. He just goes like, no, this is how I see it. Yeah. And I'm not going to apologize for it. You're, and he's, like, super combative. So like, no, you're fucking wrong. Yeah. You're fucking wrong, and I'm not going to apologize for that. I love that he pushes back on all of our favorite libertarians, too. Yeah, I, like, like I enjoy they, that, too. I don't always, I don't really understand what his exact idea of liberty is. I'd love to be able to ask him that question sometimes. Right. Like, what? Because it seems like everything that he disagrees with, with libertarianism, He's disagreeing with the reason crowd of libertarians. Yeah. And seems like he respects Tom Woods, Dave Smith, Bob Murphy, and those kind of guys. But at the same time, he would never admit that. So yeah. I just don't know what his beef is. I'd love to hear the two of them in a room kind of talk about what does it mean to be libertarian? Because he is adamant about not being a libertarian. Mm -hmm. and But he won't. And it's usually for the reasons that you and I talk about. Yeah. Like this non-aggression principle. Like, how do you take over a society... If you don't have aggression, how does how do you win the Revolutionary War in seventeen seventy nine? Whenever yeah, eighty one. Whenever is one uh, without aggression, right? Right. Or like you and I talk about, if there's people right now plotting to kill us and our families in their and we walk into their house while they're having this meeting, yeah. And you know, is it not okay for us to kill them before they kill us? Yeah. These these weird kind of questions that libertarianism doesn't really have a great answer for. I feel like he kind of that's where he's he he is but i had someone ask me that like what's a libertarian view on this I'm like i don't know you'd have to ask a libertarian <laughs> it's like i don't have that answer even if you ask a libertarian there's what at least legitimate eight ten different subgroups so you wouldn't consider yourself a libertarian it's the closest thing mm -hmm. but I, I consider myself capital letter nothing yeah right yeah i know it's hard for me to join any sort of group yeah i've tried i also think that the reason why i appreciate someone like pete quinones is that if i had a podcast or an author or i read a lot of stuff on like substack and if i were to ever follow someone's work there's you know i have my handful of favorites but if i ever found myself like i agree 100 percent with everything they say all the time i would realize like i'm falling short of, mm -hmm. of critical thinking like oh, yeah. well, what are the chances of that red flags start going up yeah like what are the chances that mm -hmm. you found this you know someone else in the universe that just gets it er totally right for the way that you see things yep uh, which, Dave which Smith is what probably I, the closest uh to that for me but i even ran into a little bit of a yeah what was that because you told me about that and i didn't i um, I, I went back and listened to that episode and i didn't quite catch it i want to come back to this okay the, the guest on uh pete quinona's show and the brownstone article and yeah. glenn beck and but, but but i will answer that so he was talking about um lib, uh immigration and it wasn't a big disagreement okay i did listen I, to this i usually am like totally locked in but he and robbie <laughs> were saying that uh if you make the argument that immigrants are coming here to, and they're they're taking our jobs, and so that that's a reason why we shouldn't have immigrants just 
coming in to the country, then you're you're off base. Okay, I don't believe the premise, but I don't think that's yeah. exactly right because <clears throat> while immigrants do create you know more jobs by creating more demand because there's more people living here, there's more mm-hmm. houses being built and and all that. Um, illegal immigration does put downward pressure on wages. And even Thomas Sowell, who I was listening to recently, would say that it also, yes, it does. It doesn't necessarily take jobs, but it will put the pressure on Native Americans, not like Indians, but the people that already live in America, um, to go on to welfare, go into to take unemployment, to to not look for jobs because there's all this low pressure on wages. So people that are near the bottom, it does in a sense, take their jobs. Mm-hmm. So anyways, it's not a huge disagreement, but, yeah. but I've never been listening to his show before and been like, I disagree. It's always like a hundred percent like, yes, preach. But I was like, wait a second. I disagree with him on that. So it's a good thing. I know that's a good thing. Dude. I know. So, uh, what the Brownstone guy was saying was, you know, that, that we have to be ready for this next thing that's coming. Get ready. It's coming. We have to do something about it's, it. It, it kind of struck me a little as from the Emily Oster article in the Atlantic, which I fucking still pay for. <laughs> let's declare a pandemic amnesty. It's like, let's learn these lessons and move on. This guy's like, let's learn these lessons and fucking know we're not moving on. This is never going to happen again. And we're going to make sure of it. Right. So it's the spiritual inverse of the Atlantic, which Thank God. <laughs> I appreciate Totally. Yeah. And I imagine Glenn Beck is doing the same thing right now yeah. on his program. And he, the, and the article's tinged, I, I don't want to end up going through it, but it is tinged with optimism of like, here's a good thing to happen. Because I think about that, like with some of the silver linings, I'm like, well, I uh, made these adjustments with my family. I realized like, you know, these so-and-so in my social circle, like I can't trust them. You know, mm-hmm. you told me I'm not allowed at your house because I'm not vaxxed. It's like, I'm not, I'm not going to ever try, you know, you're not my friend anymore. Yeah. I'll be polite to you is, uh, you realize the importance of having the real friends, your community, uh, of being self-sufficient, of being healthy, all these things. I would try to think about the silver linings of it because yeah. you got to balance it. I just don't want to dwell on just negative stuff all the time. Of course. Like it'll, it'll make you insane. Yeah. It's this article bad for you. does a good do- job of like, here's the optimistic part and you, you know, they, Break it into these twelve steps. Oh, cool! And then he goes, "Here, here's here's a good thing, you know, that happened. However, moving forward, like we got to make sure this never happens again." So, so one of the things that Pete and his guests were talking about mm-hmm. the other day, uh, Andrew Pierce, I believe his name was, was how do you get to this place where the left is not destroying your culture? Mm-hmm. Is that's what they're doing. That's what they've always done. And every organization, if it's not explicitly anti-left, is slowly moving left. Right. Without you noticing it, but eventually you realize, oh my God, this is this is a mess. Yeah. They, they ruin everything, right? And they brought up the point that there was no left for like a thousand years in mm-hmm. in human history during this one period of time recently. So here I'll just Interesting. say it in their own their own words. You know, why would they want to uh, sabotage, you know, the Catholic Church like that? Well, uh, oh, if you listen look at, uh, well, uh, ask yourself, where was the left for a thousand fucking years? <laughs> it's, it's like, where did they go? You know, it's like, the all, you, I mean, they're there at the end of Rome. You see all the transgenderism. You see all of the, all of the gay shit. You see all of the societal decay. You see that the, uh, the you know, the people writing letters to each other saying, you know, I want to come visit you, but the roads aren't safe this time of year, so I'm not going to go visit you. And they, uh, you see all of that shit. And then somewhere around like seven, 800, you know, all of that disappears. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. And so it makes me think like, well, yeah, where did they go? And the answer is that the society, for one reason or another, just put an end to that shit. More likely than not, it was dealt with with force. Right. Maybe even, dare I say, aggression. Is that right or wrong? I mean, you could debate that. But it is a society without the left is preferable in my mind. Mm -hmm. At least, unless you're sacrificing all of the culture anyways to get rid of it. 
Yeah. You know, like cutting, cutting your nose off in spite of your face. But, um, it does seem to me like there is hope and there's a reason to, you know, not just put your head in the sand, but instead to, you know, try to, try to do something about, um, what's going on. And I don't know what that is. I'm look forward to hearing you talk about that article and hearing what Glenn Beck has to say. Yeah. Um, what do we think of Elon Musk? Uh, I, <laughs> you caught me at a weird time here. I am becoming increasingly, um, maybe aware is the wrong word because it insinuates that I'm completely right, which I can't claim to be, but I'm so convinced that so much around me is part of a deep state state asset program. Cause we talk about, we were talking about Dylan Mulvaney on the Bud Light. And I was saying like, I just, I don't, I don't pay attention to this shit. And I was having a discussion with a friend. And then it was like Ford just had a commercial that had a Ford, you know, Ford tough Ford country, you know, remember the commercials from the nineties or whatever. And they just had a Ford Raptor commercial, which is like man's man's truck. And think bust out of the mud, like painted like a rainbow flag. And so it's like they did the thing. <laughs> and then uh, Target put up all the rainbow uh, trans shirts. <laughs> I don't know what you even call it. And when I see these things, and we talked about this, what was well, this and Miller Light Mil- did their Miller Light did their feminism which commercial. Wasn't really even a Pride Month thing, right? Right. And. I don't have any thoughts about that stuff. So like, if, if that's what you want to do with your brand, like, fine with me. I don't. I happen to not shop at Target, drive a Ford, drink Miller Lite, drink Bud Light. I don't. You know, happen. I don't. I don't care about these. Going back to our earlier discussions, like I, I try to do the local thing. Is but it is. It's it's strikingly obvious that all these things are being done in synchrony. They're being done together, which means that there is a larger agenda. And I do believe that that is um, coming from the deep state somehow to create division. I mean, the whole phrase "go woke, broke, go broke" is not—it's um, not some arbitrary talking point. Like you look at the financial statements of the companies that embark in these these advertising campaigns; like it has a direct financial effect on them. And my wild assumption is that these companies want to make money, and you're purposely doing something that is making you lose money. So there has to be a larger narrative, which is what I always believe. I think that what uh, Clint would say is that what they're really trying to do is get firms to invest in them. Mm-hmm. They're not as interested in selling product. I mean, they, they have to sell product, but what they're doing with all this woke shit is trying to improve their ESG score yeah. to get BlackRock to buy their stock. That's a very that's a very good way line of thinking right there. Yeah. Now it doesn't work. I mean, Bud Light might just fucking totally tank yeah. to a point where no one's gonna want to buy their stock or where they have to actually go bankrupt. You know, it could go that far. Right. It doesn't seem like it's going to, but it could. But what's surprising is that then the very next day, Miller Lite comes out and does this equally offensive commercial mm-hmm. that's not feminist. Not, it's very anti-female. Yeah. Not know? offensive, but polarizing. Like, obviously divisive, you could say. If I was a woman who liked wearing a bikini at the beach, I'd be offended by that commercial. Because that commercial is basically saying... The only reason you're in a bikini is because men put you in that bikini. Right. You have no agency of your own. You're just a poor little woman who can't, you know, it's offensive. So this is so funny. I'm glad that you saw that angle because this goes back to what we were talking about two episodes ago with the bigotry of low expectations. Mm -hmm. It's like you only think that way because, you know, you're being told to think like what this you're operating off the assumption that these people can't think for themselves. Yes. That is wildly offensive to me. Yes. You know, it's, it's it's the. It's the white woman in the suburbs, you know, screeching about like, this is what we need to do for these poor you know, immigrants or minorities or, you know, marginalized classes. And it's like, can can they not speak their own voice? It's like, no, they can't. They need people like me. Like, do you realize like how fucking bigoted that is to totally. think that way? I mean, we all, we know that they are bigots and they are racists. Yeah. And we see Absolutely. it. But it's, they are telling you that they're not. And like the 60% of people that are willing to electrocute the guy in the next room, they hear that they're not 
they hear that NBC telling them that they are not racist and that you are, and they just kind of go, okay. I don't think these people actually, the vast majority of these people, I don't think they actually believe it. It's virtue signaling and it's how Marxism works. They're just like, I just need the light not shown on me. It's like, I know that, I know that I'm, I'm the, I'm part of that, whatever the group that's kind of being targeted at or kind of being targeted. So I need to deflect that and be like this overly emphasized, overly vocal voice. I don't know, dude. I mean, I think some people are true, the true believers, as they call it. My uncle Jim told me a couple years ago that he realized that he was racist and he needed to work on his own like racism that he didn't realize he, he had, but he now realizes he has it. Hmm. I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? You of all people? Right. Dude. So I don't know if I agree with you. I think they do believe it. I think they believe what they're told to believe, just like the people that turn up the the, the dial to electrocute that guy. Yeah. I think that they, they believe that well, the... I think there's a certain amount of people that just buy into the narrative and apply the template all to right, themselves so, without thinking about it. So what do we think of Elon Musk? Okay. Uh, that was the question. Yes. Because I, I have... I don't know what to think. I go back and forth on that guy. Yeah. One I, day I'm like stoked and the next day I'm like terrified of the guy and then I'm sad that he, he's not who he said he was and then the next day like he's back up in my good graces again. I go back and forth. Um, I will say what I like about Elon Musk is that he is very much um, enthusiastic about free speech and free expression. Mm-hmm. Um, that's being played out in a very limited way on Twitter, I'd say. Uh, you know, when he, then he gets into the minutia of it and saying uh, freedom of speech but not freedom of reach, you know, you're shadow banning accounts and, mm-hmm. you know, still not letting a lot of different people on. Um, it was a step in the right direction, yeah, he, but, but for the people that were celebrating it and going like, oh, our Lord and Savior is here, it's like, no, no, he's not. Uh, he's also um, very much for... Uh, transhumanism and the fourth industrial revolution, which is the goal of the World Economic Forum right now. I mean, he's very, very much aligned with their agenda. He's also very skeptical of AI and fearful of AI. See, there now I'm back. I agree with him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm very skeptical of AI. So, um, it just, you know, as just as we were saying before, I don't, I never see anyone going like. That's it. That's our guy. That's our guy. Like, did, yeah, he's he's got some things that I, that I'm with him on, and a lot of other things that I'm definitely not on. Did you hear what he had to say about yeah. the concept of one world government? No. What would you guess? Um, if he's in on the fourth industrial revolution, I'm going to say that he might be a fan. That's a guess. One thing I should say, on, and I know this is called the World Government Summit, um, but. Uh, I think we should be maybe a little bit concerned about uh, actually becoming too much of a single world government. Yeah. Um, if, if I may say that we want to avoid creating a civilizational risk by having, um, frankly, this may sound a little odd, too much cooperation between governments. Um, you know, if you know, if you look at say the at history and the rise and fall of civilizations, um, the, the really all. Throughout history, civilizations have risen and fallen, but it hasn't meant the doom of humanity as a whole because there have been, there've been all these separate civilizations that were separated by great distances. So I think we want to be a little bit cautious about uh, being too much of a, world, of a single uh, civilization because if we are too much of a single civilization, then if, if we're, if the, whole, the whole thing may collapse. Interesting. I stand corrected. Right? I know that fucker. Yeah. He just can't be consistent, or maybe he—I don't know. What's he up to? I just don't. I don't totally trust him. Yeah, you know, like I trust. I I believe what he's saying, mm-hmm. but then he goes and he hires the like just the poster child for woke right capitalism. That it's, woman that's the now, new uh, CEO. Yeah, who's from the World Economic Forum? Right, young global leader, I believe. Or, I think she's I think, even beyond that. I think yeah. she's like involved in the World Economic right. Forum. Um, but then he just gives he gives this interview. Did you see that interview that he gave recent just the other day with uh, on CNBC with David Faber? No. Um, 
Let's talk a bit about your tweets, um, because it comes up a lot. Um, even today, it, it came up in you know, anticipation of this. I mean, um, you know, you do some tweets that seem to be, or at least give support to some who would call others conspiracy theories. Well, yes, but I mean, honestly, you know, <laughs> some of these conspiracy theories uh, have turned out to be true. Which ones? Well, like the, the Hunter Biden laptop. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that 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 was a pretty big deal. There was Twitter and 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 others engaged in active suppression of information that was relevant to the public. Um, that's that's a that's a terrible thing. Which is another that's like conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. But how do you make a choice? You don't see. I mean, in terms of when you're going to engage. I mean, for example, even today, Elon, you 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 tweeted this thing about George Soros. Well, I'm looking for it because I want to make sure I quote it properly. Elon's I mean, body you know language you know, here is just like you basically. It reminds me of my video. It's like you know, calm down, people. This is not like made up. I can put well, a case out of it. You also, you, know, <laughs> you said he wants to erode the very fabric of civilization, and Soros hates humanity. Like when you do something like that, do you? Yeah, think I think about, that's true. That's my opinion. What do you okay, get wrong? But why share exactly. it? Exactly. Why share it? Especially, because, I mean, why share it when people who buy Teslas may not agree with you? Advertisers on Twitter may not agree with he you. He asked him, why share it? And um, Elon looked at him why like, Why not just what? say, hey, I think this. You can tell me. We can talk about it over there. You can tell your friends. But why share it widely? I mean, I, this is freedom of speech. I'm allowed to say what I you want You absolutely are. But I'm trying to understand why you do. Because you have to know it's got a, there, it puts you in, a, in the middle of a, the partisan divide in the country. Not it makes you a lightning rod for criticism. Why are criticism. you going against the narrative? Do you like yeah. that? I, you know, you people like it? today saying he's an anti-Semite. I don't that? think you are. No, I'm definitely. I'm, I'm like I'm like a pro-Semite. If anything, <laughs> I I believe that probably is the case. Yes. But why would you even introduce the idea then that that would be the, the case? I, I mean, look, we, we don't want to make this a, a George Soros interview. No, um, God no. I don't. So, I don't want it at uh, all. But I'm what I'm trying. Even came up though in the annual meeting. I mean, you know, do your tweets hurt the company? Are there Tesla owners who say, I don't agree with his political position because, and I know it because he shares so much of it. Or are there advertisers on Twitter that Linda Yaccarino will come and say, you got to stop, man. Or, you know, I can't get these ads because of some of the things you tweet. He's thinking. You know, I'm reminded of uh, the, the, the scene in The Princess Bride, great movie, great oh, wow. um, where he confronts the person who killed his father. And he says, offer me money, offer me power, I don't care. So you just don't care. Not bad. The guy's is pretty fucking badass. But the, the thing that stood out to me from that clip is that the impetus for all those questions began with the um, notion of the conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. And he flatly, I mean, they did it in a very rudimentary way with, uh, what, two examples? One, one, two. Saying that was true, though. Because, okay, yeah, that was true, but moving on, and they just gloss mm -hmm. over that. And that's something that we hit all the time when we talk about things. I'm like, yeah, everything that you guys keep telling us are conspiracy theories just keep coming true over and over and over. Hence, us calling them spoiler alerts. Yeah. yeah. And so now this week, I support the current thing. This week, you know, your jihad is this. And we're, <laughs> I just feel like we're always on the sidelines going like, that's probably not true either, or it's probably this. Like I, you know, do you have you picked up yet on the idea that we we don't listen to people like you? Like you're fucking wrong over and over and over. You're wrong about masks. You're wrong about the vaccine. You're probably wrong. You're going to be wrong about Ukraine. You're wrong about everything. All everything that we talk about. It's a you know. And I don't. And people still talk to me as if I am. I need to hear their opinion on on things. I don't agree with everything that Elon Musk says or stands Absolutely for. Absolutely not. But it is so cool to have someone on our in our corner who is 
saying the stuff that we say. Like, is there a more powerful voice in the world than than his? I mean, there's yeah. there maybe not many though. Right. Right. And it's awesome that he's up there just being like, no, I don't give a shit. I'm just, he's a free speech absolutist. Like, I don't care. Offer me money. I don't care. Yeah. Offer me power. You killed my father. Prepare to die. 